Amen. So I started a series last week. If you missed it, it is online. You can watch it on, uh, we got a podcast. You can watch it on our Facebook page, our YouTube page, or uh, I think on our website. You can watch it any, or on the website, you can only listen to it, right? There's a link to YouTube there, so you can do it any of those ways. But if you missed it, we compared about, and really the essence was, how much is up to you to get healed and how much is up to God? There's a part we play in it, but there's a part God plays in it, and there's times out of God's mercy and compassion, it's only, we're only healed because of Him, right? I know that you're, by your faith you are healed, but we talked about the, uh, the, the man that was at the pool, he didn't have any faith and God still healed him. How many of you know that's a good thing? God still moves. So today I want to talk a little bit, a different subject that you may not hear a whole lot. We don't really talk about it a lot, and that is long-term illness or injuries uh, that happen that, that the person may never recover from. You know, that doesn't sound like a faith topic right there. So I, I, I put it in uh, my title, my message is, When Will It End? How many of you know what I'm talking about? You're going through something and you've asked God, God, when will this end? Will I have it forever? So there's a lot of questions that I think sometimes we're afraid to ask because, you know, maybe it's like, you know, I don't know how to really help somebody that's in that situation, or uh, maybe you're going through it. Maybe you've been sick for years and you don't even know why. Like, Lord, why do I still fat? The the doctors can't uh, figure anything out. Uh, Do you know somebody that's been sick for a long time? All right, and they're, and they're going through it. You know, sometimes, and let's be honest, you, you may in your head, you don't know what it is, but you're like, is that, is that, are they really sick or are they just faking it? I mean, I remember, and my mom may be watching, but I faked sick a few times going to not go to school. Come on, raise your hand if you ever did that. It's like, <laughs> mom, I'm not feeling well, you know, and as soon as they were gone, you're like eating chips and all kinds of stuff, watching TV, but uh, sometimes we look at other people and they keep having this, and it's like, are they really, is it just a mental thing? And you might wonder, you know, secretly without ever saying it out loud, what did they do to cause this? What did they do? Do they deserve it? And, and I'll, I'll tell you, it's easy to be opinionated and judgmental about somebody else, How many of you know until it happens to you? Isn't that true? Uh, All of a sudden, you move from judgment to sympathy. When you've suffered a long-term illness or injury and the doctors can't do anything about it, it changes our perspective, doesn't it? You begin to see things. You begin to identify with people are at. So uh, maybe you can identify with some of these questions that I have here. If you are a family member, has a disease for which there is no cure, or maybe a family member, they suffered some kind of debilitating injury and it hinders your normal everyday life. Or maybe a chronic condition that causes daily pain. Listen, I know in our men's Bible study, there's a number of men that they struggle with pain on a regular basis. So uh, uh, maybe it's not something like that. Maybe it's depression. Maybe it's anxiety. And it's like, you know, I know I look good on the outside, but there's something going on on the inside. Or just a sickness or pain All of these above feelings can leave you hopeless, am I right? Depressed, alone, whatever it is. And listen, maybe you're here and you're like, hey, listen, I don't identify. I don't suffer anything. I don't know what it is. Can I just say you're blessed? Amen. Amen. You're blessed if you've never faced that. But listen, there's a good possibility that you will later on in life or you'll know somebody that is facing those things. So I want to encourage you to still listen uh, for several reasons because there may be somebody in your family 
or in your circle of friends, and how many of you know in a church that people are facing that, and it's important for us to know how to pray, how to love, how to encourage, because if you, how many of you ever done it the wrong way? You have said the wrong thing, all right? <laughs> like, oh, wow, that looks like that really hurts. How many of you know that doesn't help? <laughs> that doesn't, like you're, somebody's walking in and it's like, what's wrong with you, you know? Uh, anyway, we can all learn. It's important to learn what to say. And it's important to know how to pray because, listen, we're not just a building that people gather in. We are family, are we not? Amen. Right? That's what the church is supposed to be, not just like, oh, I came for the great music and, the, and, and you know, and the pastor that uh, told the jokes earlier, Pastor Colleen, or uh, myself even. You're here as family. And we pray for one another. We care. As the family of God, the scripture tells us to do a couple of things. Carry each other's burden. Do you realize that when you come to church and you're carrying a burden, you shouldn't be carrying it alone. You should be able to have brothers and sisters. And I loved uh, uh, just people up here praying for one another. Nobody told, told anyone to go pray for anybody, but there were people that came up automatically to pray for another. That's carrying other people's burden. That you're not having to do this. And here's the thing. If you carry a burden in and you don't tell anybody and you walk out, it's like, well, I'm still carrying my own burden. Listen, we don't, ha we, we don't have a crystal ball. We can't tell you if you're carrying something or not. Uh, so you got to actually let people know. You got to tell somebody. I mean, and I know it may be awkward in a big group like this. That's why we really are strongly about getting people involved in life groups because in those small groups, you actually get to know people a little bit better on a personal basis. Am I right? Yeah. All right. In a big group, it's like, oh, man, you know what? There's just all these people, and I don't know everybody. But we need to be honest enough. I'll tell you, life is better if you do it with seven, eight, or nine friends that are, that are close by. All right. And then you come together in a big group, and it's amazing. So we had our group on a Friday night, and there were 13 of us in there. So it was a great group. I know tonight uh, the one group is canceled because of sickness. You could tell Christina wasn't there, but, uh, oh, it's not? Oh, sorry. It's going to be at Doris's house. So if there's a group tonight at Doris's house, Doris, raise your hand again. If you don't know who she is, there she is. I'm glad you guys corrected me on that. And then, uh, and I know the Young Adults Meets is coming Friday. I'm not sure, but anyway. And y'all's meets on Tuesday night up in Pollock Pines. So, uh, yeah, it's hard. We got like six groups going. Find one to be a part. Uh, it's good to do that. So today we're going to look at Mark chapter 5 and understand when Jesus was here and he started healing people, everybody wanted to find out. Like if you had a sickness, you wanted to get there. Am I right? Like I want to find Jesus. I want to hear. He taught like nobody else. So everywhere he went, crowds would gather. So we're going to start it right there. I skipped the other one. Verse 22 of Mark, one of the synagogue rulers named Jairus came there seeing Jesus. He fell at his feet, pleaded with him earnestly, or earnestly with him, my little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and lived. Now, let me just point out some things. Jairus, he was a synagogue leader. How many of you realize this was the group of people that opposed Jesus and his teaching? Right? He was in that circle right there. And if the other synagogue rulers knew that he was coming to Jesus, falling at his feet, how many of you know he risked the possibility of losing his position, losing status in the community? But what is it that made him 
press through and not care about that was his little daughter. It's like, how many of you know things that we think are important are no longer important when it really starts affecting your family? It's like, wait a minute, you know what? I'm losing all protocol. I'm, pa- I'm passing all that stuff. I don't care if I lose status. He wanted to see his daughter healed. And he knew, he heard the stories just like everybody else. And he was willing to go throw all of that aside so that he could get his daughters healed. Amen? Amen. Jesus didn't hesitate. Scripture says Jesus went with him immediately. He didn't like, wait a minute, you're one of those guys that don't like me. He didn't hold that over his head, but he went anyway. And I love this. It says large crowds followed and pressed in all around them. Can you get the mental picture of what that looked like? It's like everybody is around Jesus pressing in. Everybody's wanting to get there. It's like a mob scene, isn't it? I mean, that's what it kind of looks like. And so here's Jairus, Jesus, the disciples. They're getting ready to head out. They're having to press through all the different people that are there and, and heading to Jairus' house. But then all of a sudden, the unthinkable happens. Jesus stops. Some woman had the nerve to interrupt him coming to his house. Verse 25 says this. A woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. That's a long time, isn't it, if you're suffering? I mean, I know sometimes we think 12 years, man, it goes by in a blink of an eye. It doesn't go by in a blink of an eye if you're struggling with pain. If you're really facing something like that, how many of you, where were you at? Think about 12 years. Where were you at 12 years ago? Just kind of think about it in your mind. Where were you 12 years ago? That would have been 19, no, 19, not that, 2012. So uh, I'm dating myself, am I not? So 2012, where were you at? Uh, what were you doing in your life? Let me give you a little snapshot of our family uh, 12 years ago. I know. <laughs> Stephanie's left. Here, no beard here, no beard here, no beard there. All three of us are beard brothers now. And uh, it, that was 12 years ago right there. I'm sorry. That's funny that you laughed out like that. So uh, that is actually Timothy that was just up here leading. So uh, Joshua, he's back. he was back there in the back. He actually, this was, a, he had a beard since he was like, like 12 or something like that. I don't know what it is. So I think he shaved it off for this moment right there. Uh, but here's another one. This is actually almost 13 years ago, but this was Joshua graduating high school 12 years and nine months ago. Uh, and his, his brother and sister made him a sign. You're a big boy now. So there's 12 years right there. And uh, this was a nice picture. This was actually 13 years ago, but it's one that I found. Again, no, no beards going on there. And then that's us today. That was at, back at Christmas time. How many of you know there's a big difference from my family here to my family right there? Five grandbabies. You know, as a grandfather, how many of you realize you, you put those pictures in every time you get? You guys understand that. So uh, anyway, 12 years. How many of you realize? And so I, yeah, I got to take it off that picture because uh, that was not the best picture there. Not a great lens, but 2012. That, how many of you, nobody even heard of COVID yet. A lot of things that are going on, nobody would have imagined the politics being where they are today. It was just different. But here's the thing. 12 years would be a lifetime if you're struggling with a disease or illness. All right, this woman that had been losing blood, think about it, for 12 years, that's 4,380 days that she was struggling. And the Bible says suffering. 
I'm sure it was probably in her mind hard to even remember when she wasn't sick, when she wasn't weak, when she wasn't exhausted from the loss of blood. Like, what was that like? And the scripture says that she had suffered a great deal. Check this out. I mean, she spent it all. She didn't have any money left. And yet, instead of getting better, she only grew worse. What a, what a desperate situation. I mean, think about it. Every day of every week, of every month, every year that went by, oh, here, try this cure, try that one. And it just made her worse than she was before. And, and I'm sure even in addition to the medical advice she was getting there, and it still happens today, we all have our own little personal cure that we want to give you. Oh, try this. This worked for me. Try this juice. Try this diet. Try this vitamin. Try this essential oil. That'll make you all better, right? Uh, and then, on the top of that, you've got the encouragers, the ones that will come up and they see what you've got going on, and they say, wow, you know what? My aunt had that. Never got any better. <laughs> As a matter of fact, she died. How many of you know that's not encouraging? Right? Or you got people that come up, you know what, just confess it. Just confess your positive confession. Don't say you got anything. Listen, when you have struggled, and I know some of you guys identify with this, you struggle a long time, you hear a lot of frustrating, irritating, and let's be honest, occasionally stupid advice from people. Amen? I'm just telling you how it is. So and here's the thing. This, gets, this is the worst of all. If your encouragement starts out with these two words, at least, at least it's not terminal. At least you got insurance, right? Or, uh, well, at least your kids are grown. You don't have to worry about that. Uh, again, that's not encouraging. Like sometimes I think we feel the pressure to paint a silver lining around their cloud, don't we? Uh, but in the reality, sometimes we just have clouds. Sometimes those things are just what they are. And, and we have to understand that, listen, I can't try to paint a better picture. So, and now for this woman to make the situation worse than she already was, and you think about it, other people thought, oh, she's in this condition because she sinned. We talked about this last week. At that time, if somebody had a handicap or some disability, it was because they sinned. They did something wrong or their parents did something wrong. And let me just say, there are still people that believe this. Like they'll be, oh, well, if you just had a little bit more faith, obviously you're lacking in faith. You're doing something wrong or else you'd have healing. Let me tell you, again, I said this a minute ago, people quickly change their theology when they get sick. All right, it's like all of a sudden things happen. And I'm going to tell you a little bit about uh, something that I went through. You know, we came to this church in October of 2018. Uh, about a year into it, it was October of 2019. I was on a treadmill running and I, I strained my knee a little bit. It happens. And I thought, oh, no big deal. Uh, but after about three days, all of a sudden, my whole back seized up on me. And, uh, how many, and some of you that were here, how many of you remember when I was going through that? Some of you guys, yeah. It was horrible. It lasted for about two and a half months. Like, my back was so bad, I couldn't even, you know, some of you identify. I didn't sit up and get out of bed. I rolled out of bed, right? How many of you have been there? And it was like, I was taking, and, uh, and I had gotten this advice. Don't, I mean, I, there was only I could do to survive. I was taking four Advil every four hours along with three Tylenol. And it was, and especially, and I timed it out so that I could come to service and actually make it through service before I went back home and collapsed. And uh, my neck was so bad, 
Some of you guys that remember this, it was like, I'm doing this. Hey, guys, how's it going? Like, I didn't, I could, I didn't even want to move my neck. It was so bad. I mean, and it, it was just, it was, it was torture that was going. I remember I had my birthday the end of November, and, and I was just laying in the living room. I was just crying. It was so bad. I, I don't know what happened. It was come about Christmas time. All of a sudden, it started getting a little bit better and a little bit better. Uh, eventually, you know, it, I did recover from it, but that was a rough two and a half months. That was a challenge. I didn't even, I thought, Lord, I'm going to be in this for this is my rest of my life. Like, I can't pastor like this. What are people going to think about that? And, and let me just say, this didn't help. There's a couple people that they'd see me. I'd kind of be hobbling on my knee and walking. They're like, wow, you don't look good. <laughs> How many of you know that doesn't help? I know I don't look good. I don't feel good either. So, uh, or, or maybe people have done this to you. Wow, you look really tired. <laughs> anybody ever get that? Let me ask, has anybody ever told you either one of those things? I want to raise your hand, right? You've had that? Keep your hand up if that encouraged you. <laughs> that doesn't help. So I'm just, this is free advice that I'm giving you right here. Uh, don't tell people they don't look good and don't tell them they look tired. Maybe come up and just say, hey, listen, can I pray for you? Amen. Right? Can I pray for you? So anyway, uh, that, I thank God that it was only three months because some of you guys are dealing with stuff that's been years. You've been dealing with back injuries and other things for years, but let me tell you, it felt like 12 years. So back to the woman in the crowd, I'm going to get back to the point of telling that in a minute. Another thing that we didn't talk about, because she had this blood issue, if you know Old Testament stuff, she was considered unclean. And so she couldn't be with other people. She couldn't go to synagogue. She couldn't go to uh, uh, social activities. If the family was doing stuff, they did, she didn't get to go to that because if you were deemed unclean and you touched somebody or somebody touched you, uh, then they would be cast out, right? It was not a good thing. So not only was she sick, but she was lonely. And when she heard about the story of Jesus and especially the one where he touched a leper because that was off limits, you don't touch somebody with leprosy because now you're unclean. Uh, that was just all a part of it. So she had all kinds of humiliation, pain, countless uh, failed cures that she went through. And, uh, and she heard about Jesus. And you can imagine, put yourself in the place. You've been struggling and you hear, wow, this man named Jesus touched a leper and healed him? Is that possible? And you know, you're going to have doubts going on, but I, I, I got to imagine they had a hit point. What if it's true that she began to think like, if I could touch him, if he could touch me, he probably wouldn't want to touch me. So maybe I'll, uh, I'll try to reach out and touch him. And somewhere in her spirit, a spark of hope began to stir. Like maybe this is true. And then found out one day Jesus actually is coming to town. So I can imagine in this woman's mind, okay, uh, now's my chance. And be, like she always probably did, she would be in the back, keeping her distance, because if other people discovered her there, they would shout out. That was what they were supposed to do, unclean. Stay away from her. Don't let her touch you. Uh, but she decided, I want to get in there. I'm going to press through. Listen, I'm already an outcast in society. What's it going to matter? So she pressed through. And then the scripture says she came up behind Jesus because she was too afraid to come frontward. She was too afraid to expect that he would touch her. So she thought, you know, if I can just touch the cloak, uh, then I know that I will be healed. If I can just get in there, can you imagine that determination? Because remember, there's a crowd around him. 
she had to realize, listen, everybody I'm scooching by, I'm making unclean, right? And, and it's like, and they don't even know it. It's like unclean, unclean, unclean. All these people she's pressing up against, but she's like, I don't care. I'm pressing in anyway. I'm coming in anyway. Can you imagine the moment that her fingers touch the edge of his garment? Like, how many of you know whenever you get static shock, you know, you do the scooching and then you touch somebody, got a little shock? Uh, we don't know what she felt, but she had to feel something because Jesus said that he felt power going out of him. So there was some kind of transaction of power, and she knew that she had been healed. The scripture says that immediately her bleeding stopped. She felt in her body that she was freed from her something. It was like, like something just happened in my body. Like I can tell, it's not like, oh, okay, well, God, I hope that I'm better from this. No, there was something that transpired in her that she felt that and that she knew that she was cured from that. Amen? She knew it. And so now Jesus is pressing through. Remember the story. He's going to Jairus' house. They're trying to get through, and all of a sudden he stops, and he feels something. And the Scripture says that he turned around in the crowd, and he's like, all right, who touched my clothes? Right? Who did that? And, and the disciples, remember, they told him, they're like, hey, listen, everybody's crowding around. How can you ask that question? Like, everybody, do a 360, Jesus. They all touched you. Everybody just touched you. Why are you asking who touched you? But the woman knew who he was talking about. She knew who he was talking about. And so she trembling with fear, like, oh, no, I'm going to be found out. I'm going to be called unclean. Whatever those fears that were going on. But I love what, you know, this says the woman, knowing what had happened uh, to her, came, fell at his feet, trembling with fear, told Jesus the whole truth. Like, I've been struggling with this bleeding, this, this, this horrible issue that, 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 you know, has caused me to unclean. And what words was she going to get back? I love these words that Jesus spoke back. He said, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. You are freed from your suffering. Just imagine being that woman in that moment. Not only was she healed but she, from that disease, she was pronounced clean. Like, you are clean. From that point on, I doubt this woman ever doubted Jesus could do anything he wanted to do. Oh, well, Jesus can't do that. Uh, yes, he can. All right, how many of you know when you have been touched by the power of God, you don't have any doubt? Right? That's why I love the scripture. It says that my preaching, Paul said this, my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but it was with a demonstration of the Spirit's power. Right? God's Spirit still moves. There is still power in the name of Jesus. Amen? So God still moves. You can't convince me otherwise. So uh, she knew it. So here's here's my mind because this is extra biblical curriculum here that I'm telling you. I think that she did two things after she got healed. Number one, I think she went to the temple and thanked God. Somewhere she hadn't been able to go for 12 years. Can you imagine, like, you want to go to church, you want to be there, but because you got some kind of issue, you can't be there for 12 years. So she knew that God healed him, healed her, and she's there worshiping. And then, this is my mind thinking right here again, so, but I bet she touched everybody that she could. <laughs> right? She's hugging everybody. Can you, how many of you guys like hugging and touching people, right? Right? I mean, we just like, we like the hugs and stuff. There's something that God made us to do that. Uh, and she was not able to do that for 12 years. 
I couldn't hug my family. I couldn't hug my friends. And so these strangers are probably walking by, and some woman's just hugging them like, who was that? Why is she hugging me? Uh, but there had to be so much joy on here. Amen? Let me say, when, when that back issue of mine was uh, healed and I didn't struggle with it anymore, let me tell you, I was so, I, I, could move, I could sit up out of bed, right? I didn't have to roll out of bed. I mean, listen, if you would have told me before that, I wouldn't understand. What do you mean you had to roll out of bed? I mean, I could not pick, pick myself up, right? It was like roll and scream. I mean, even when you're laying in bed, it's like, oh man, I got to flip over to my other side. And then you had to contemplate it for a while. Like, oh. All right, Lord, let's do this one step at a time. <laughs> so some of you guys know what I'm talking about. But man, just a rollover in my bed was awesome. I'm like, oh, Lord, this is so great. And it didn't even hurt. One of the things, you know, let me, let me just say this. If I had to do it again, I absolutely would never do that again if I had a choice. <laughs> How many of you know what I'm talking about? But even in that, I am thankful to God what he taught me in that time. Because he, he, I never had any kind of pain like that in my life, but I, it was when I found out that there's a difference between sympathy and empathy. My back is hurting, and, and there's several people that I know that, that deal with chronic back pain. Listen, I, it, it's different now. I pray, I listen to people differently when they're struggling. I, I pray, I respond differently. Before it's like, oh man, I'm so sorry. Uh, I'll be praying for you. But now it's like there's this empathy and I believe that it makes me a better person and hopefully a better pastor that, uh, man, I, I, you know, I don't want to pull a Bill Clinton. I feel your pain, right? No, it's like when you really feel the pain, it's like, listen, I know you're going through something and, and it does make me pray a little bit harder. Amen. So here's a, here's a couple of fill-ins on your note. How to talk and express care for somebody that's in a long-term battle. So this is whenever you encounter somebody. And listen, praying, number one, is praying for them. And again, we just saw that demonstrated this morning. There's people that you know, and I saw some people that go up and they know some of the problems people are going through. And, and, and listen, you don't have to wait for a time like that. Like just in worship anytime and you see somebody and you know they're being struggling, don't wait for a special time. Just go over there and put your hand on them and pray for them. How many of you know that's encouraging? That's encouraging. I can tell you when I was going through that, uh, there were several of the, uh, the people in the church knew what I was going through. And, and I remember I was sitting right there. I had several different people over those couple of months that just prayed for me. People that would text me, letting me know that they were praying for me. And uh, that, 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 that's encouraging. It's like, man, I'm not going through this alone. And I love that. I love that about what we can do as a body. That's part of carrying somebody's burden. Just actually praying, not just praying for your own needs. How many of you know if all you ever do is pray for your own needs, then you're still at a selfish level, right? I'm just telling you how it is. It's not until we learn to pray for other people that, uh, that, that and I believe that it's more powerful to pray for other people because then God meets your need, amen? Does that make sense? So if you only pray for, okay, God, here's my need. Yes, pray for your need, but pray for others too, I actually make that a priority. So not just pray for them, but tell them. Tell them. Don't just like, oh, God, I pray. Let them know. Like I said, you can send a note. You can send an email. You can send a text. You can uh, give an actual phone call. Does anybody do those these days? 
right? Uh, let them know. It's a simple gesture just to let them know. And it may come through on a Tuesday when they're in pain and they don't know what's going on. And then all of a sudden they get a text from somebody, hey, listen, did, was been thinking and praying for you. I hope you're doing okay. Those things are encouraging. Amen? And not only that, number three, express your love for them. That means hug them. I mean, if they got a back issue, be careful how you hug them. No bear hugs. <laughs> uh, but whatever it is, don't treat people. I know sometimes when people are going through stuff, other people don't know how to, what to do. And so we kind of treat people like they're unclean. Oh, you know what? Yeah, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. Uh, don't worry. Just, just say, hey, listen, man, I love you. I've been praying for you. Give them a hug. You know, uh, if, they're, if they're crying, cry with them. Right? If they're laughing, laugh with them. Listen, don't make somebody feel bad if they're having to laugh during a difficult time. You realize God gave us crying and laughing that helps us get through difficulty. Sometimes you need to cry. Sometimes you need to laugh. Sometimes you need both at the same time, right? How many of you have had both at the same time? Right? And it's like God gives us that. So uh, it's okay. And then number four, if you're caring for somebody or they have that and they have a family member caring for them, uh, remember their family. How many of you know it is not easy caring for somebody that's in a long-term situation? They do it because they love them, so it's not that, but yet it is, it's heavy. It's a heavy burden. Listen, and uh, I know my mom's probably watching. She cared for my grandma until she was 99 years old, and it takes a lot out of you. It takes a lot. So here's my encouragement. Say the same thing to the, that you would to the sick person. Pray for that. Hey, listen, I'm praying for you. I know that you're feeling tired. And listen, if you're here, if you're watching online and, and you're caring for a loved one, I want you to know uh, that we're praying for you as well. All right? We're praying for you as well because we know it's not easy. Amen? And this is something that I have to tell myself because I like to tell jokes. Anybody else like telling jokes? So... Uh, don't use humor or make fun or light of somebody's situation. If they make a joke, then laugh with them. But how many of you know when you're going through something, uh, you don't need other people making jokes about it? All right, you don't need other people. It, like I said, sometimes you may tell it and we'll laugh with you, but don't be the initiator. Don't say things like this. If there's anything that I can do to help, let me know, unless you're actually going to do it. Amen? Sometimes we like, oh, if there's anything we can do, hey, can you come over and help? Oh, well, you know what? I got stuff going on. And uh, you know what? Maybe I, if you can't do it, don't tell them that. But if you are, if you do say that, then you better learn to rearrange your schedule and do it. Amen. Amen? I, I think that's so important because if, somebody, if you tell somebody, they reach out and then all of a sudden you can't do it, guess what? They're not going to reach out anymore. All right, so don't burn that bridge right there. Uh, don't, here's what's important. Don't pretend to be a medical expert unless you've actually gone to medical school. <laughs> How many of you know what I'm talking about here? Let, let me just say this. WebMD is not medical school. <laughs> don't Google their symptoms like, what's going on? You know, let me type. The, oh, man. You may die next week, right? I just read that, right? So don't do that. Don't Google that. Don't self, don't diagnose them. And let me just say this. Don't offer them solution that benefits you. Oh man, I'm selling this product here. If you'll buy this, you'll make it better, right? Don't do that. 
Don't tell them about everybody who died with the same thing. I know that kind of goes back, but uh, those are just things not to do, okay? So let's get back to the story. Uh, the woman was healed. She's rejoicing. But guess who's still there waiting for his daughter to get healed? Jairus is still there. And so verse 35, while he was speaking, some men came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue ruler, and he says, your daughter is dead. They said, why bother the teacher anymore? How many of you know that's the worst news that he could possibly hear? And uh, Jesus says, ignore what they said. Jesus told the synagogue ruler, don't be afraid, just believe. And when they came to the home of the synagogue ruler, Jesus saw a commotion with people crying and wailing loudly. What a word of caution right there. Don't worry about what they're saying. Don't be afraid. Jesus said, just believe. But, but, but Jesus, they're telling me she's dead. They're telling me, don't bother you anymore. How many of you know sometimes you'll get people, oh, I'm going through this situation. Oh, yeah, you're not going to get out of it. There's no hope for you. That's what you're in. Don't worry about them. Don't be afraid. Just believe. And I can imagine as they're coming to the house, the commotion, you know, they had mourners that were there and uh, they were crying. And Jesus, I'm, I'm, I can imagine him going, okay, don't be afraid. Just believe. Don't be afraid. I don't care what they're saying because they're going around that. And then Jesus went in and said to them, why all this commotion and wailing? The child is not dead, but asleep. Can you imagine what a shocking statement that is? They know she's dead. She's not breathing. There's no heart rate going on. Dead is dead. And it was such a shocking statement that all of these mourners, they stopped mourning. And verse 40 says that they laughed at him. Like, who do you think you are? Are you crazy? We know it. We've seen dead people before. And this girl is dead. She's not alive. Jesus, you must be a fool because you don't even know what you're saying. So I love what Jesus did. They're laughing at him. And uh, he puts them all out. Like, out of here, all of you. Get out of here. It says he only took the child's father, the mother, and the disciples were with them. And they went in to where the child was. I love that. And uh, look what it says in verse 41. He took her by the hand and said, little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately, the girl stood up, began to walk, and she was only 12 years old. At this, they were completely astonished. I mean, who wouldn't be, right? No doubt. Here's a believer. Jarius and his family became lifelong followers of Jesus from that day forward. Right? They had no doubt. Long-term battle, whatever it is, I know Jesus just raised my daughter from the dead. There's nothing that God can't do. Amen. Right? They were fully convinced on it. So let me just say, if you're in a long-term battle, here's some of the things that you can learn from this story. Number one, don't let anything keep you from Jesus. Amen? I want you to hear that. Jarius had to overcome all of his peers you know, oh, Jesus, he's a fraud. He's this. He's all these things. He had to overcome his belief system. I mean, let's be honest. How many of us believe that dead people come back to life? That's kind of a hard stretch right there, isn't it? I mean, we're believing Jesus, but if somebody dies, he had to overcome everything that he knew in order to come and believe that. The woman, he had to overcome fear. She had to overcome shame and discouragement. So that's my challenge. Don't let anything Come to Jesus, whatever your need is, whatever your situation is. How many of you know he is more than able? Amen. Amen. He is more than able. And secondly, maybe you struggle with doubts. Don't let doubts keep you from Jesus. 
I'm sure Jerry has had doubts when he's walking up and he said, don't believe, just believe, just believe. And it's like, uh, but Jesus, they're mourning and they told me they're dead. But he kept on. Let me just say this, because sometimes we want to squeeze out every bit of doubt so that we only have faith. Is that even possible? <laughs> Is that even possible? Here's the thing. Doubt comes in, but when you overcome doubt, that means you keep doing the right thing despite your doubt right? It's persevering instead of doubt. Okay, God, you know what? I'm going to walk up here to the front, even though, you know, I'm facing doubt. God, is it even going to happen? And you do it anyway. You allow God's word to uh, override, stamp out, void doubt. It's still there, right? But you keep going in spite of that doubt. You don't allow doubt to control you. Amen. So don't let it. Maybe you're worried what other people will think. Oh, no, I'm going to go up to the front. They're going to think I'm a horrible sinner or whatever it is. What are people going to wonder? So number three is don't let other people keep you from Jesus. If you got to press through the crowd, press through the crowd. Don't worry about Let me Let me just tell you, when I was going through that back issue, I'm like, man, I don't want to go up for prayer again because uh, I'm the pastor, you know? What are people going to think? Like, oh, man, pastor can't even get healed. Why am I? I don't want him to pray for me. <laughs> I want somebody that's really got faith. You know, he's kind of, he's a broke pastor now. So uh, uh, you got to press, you got to stop thinking. I don't care what other people think. I don't care what other people think. Listen, push the cry. Sometimes you got to push your pride out of the way. Isn't that right? Maybe you feel forgotten because you've seen other people healed. Let me just say, God has not forgotten you. And I think somebody really needs to hear this today. God knows exactly where you are. He knows exactly what you're going through, your challenges, your struggles, and he's still there for you. Amen? He's still there. He knows your situation. And you're like, but Lord, why haven't I been healed? Listen, and next week, I hope that you come next week because we're going to answer some very difficult questions when it comes to healing. I don't know why God doesn't always heal. I don't have that answer. Uh, but like I said, next week, you're going to hear some things. Maybe, and, and this is, let me just give you number five real quick. One touch from Jesus will change everything. Amen. You may walk away healed, right? God does miraculous healings. You may get healed. Maybe God says, hey, I'm going to heal you, but it's going to be a process. And maybe there's a, and I'm not speaking this over anybody. Maybe you don't get your healing. Maybe just like Paul was crying out, Lord, I pleaded three times for you to take it away. And God says, my grace is enough for you. Maybe God gives you enough of his grace that you can endure whatever it is to get to the other side. Amen. Amen? Like I said, I'm going to expound more on that. But I believe that if you get touched by Jesus, then you can endure whatever this life has to throw at you. Jesus said, or the scripture says in Psalms, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why is that? Because he is with me. He is with me. I want to tell you, God is with you in whatever you're going through. Maybe there's relationship issues. Maybe you're facing a physical thing. Maybe you're facing depression or something uh, uh, mentally. I want to tell you that God knows where you're at. And so I'm going to have our prayer team. I know we had prayer up here earlier. And and that's okay. But uh, listen, if you need a touch from God, can I have our prayer team come up? And uh, I think we're, yeah. Scripture says this in uh, 
James 5, 14. If any one of you are sick, he should call for the elders of the church, pray over them, anoint them with oil. In the name of the Lord, in the prayer offered in faith, will make the sick person well, and the Lord will raise him up. So I want to encourage you to come up. If you need a touch from God, whatever it is, and you may be thinking, oh, I've been up there so many times. I haven't gotten it yet. I want to encourage you to come up anyway. And we're just going to take a few minutes. I actually ended early. Look at that. To make room for the allow the Lord to do a work here if he wants to. So as worship is going on and uh, Timothy is leading, I'm just going to encourage you to come on up. Amen.